0: Here we go. You are listening to Rumination Thursday on February the 18th in the year of our Lord 2021, and I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me on the line to talk about a subject is Pastor Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes.
1: Hi, Tom. How are you doing in all this snow?
0: Well, I had preached uh, out your way yesterday, and it took us an hour and a half to two hours longer to get home because of the snow. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the worst thing that happened, we get behind one of these salt trucks, and it's a two-lane, and they got all kinds of smoke coming from them, so you can't pass them. And so we were going like 35 miles an hour.
1: (laughs) Well, I would think it would be a good thing because they'd clear the road in front of you.
0: No, by the time the salt is down, it takes longer than four seconds to do its work.
1: <laughs> okay, you were in a hurry. What
0: is the weather right now in the Springfield area? Well, it's sunny.
1: Really? If sun's out, yep. Yep, if you kind of got your driveway clear, it's melting the snow.
0: How about the That's roads? Are it. they pretty good?
1: Well, I was out on early this morning in Springfield, boy, and I tell you what uh, it's it's some roads are clear, others aren't
0: right you know,
1: it's just too cold for it to melt,
0: yeah, that's the real problem, and in fact, uh, the snow so covered the roads yesterday on the way home I couldn't even sometimes see where the road was.
1: wasn't it in in uh Isaiah chapter one where we talked about our sins, about our sins, and, uh, and it should be covered with with like snow through the, through the blood of Christ.
0: I don't remember that verse.
1: I don't either.
0: Well, okay.
2: <laughs> well, let's talk about
0: something you might know about, and that's talking about Lent. A lot of people, when they think about Lent, they think, well, that's a Roman Catholic church festival, but it's actually observed by the Anglicans, the Eastern Orthodox, Lutherans, Methodists, Moravians, Presbyterian, Oriental Orthodox, Reformed, and the Roman Catholic, and even some Anabaptist and Evangelical churches observe the Lenten season. So, can you give a little description of what Lent is referring to?
1: Well, uh, Lent refers to the days leading up to to Easter itself um it uh um, from what I saw it it was first kind of mentioned in some of the documents of the Council of Nicaea in three twenty five
0: yeah that's when but it kind of uh, started,
1: yes. Yeah, where where the Nicene Creed came from, yeah. And and uh, you know who the secretary of that of that uh council of Nicaea was, don't you? Athanasius. It,
0: oh, oh, I thought his last name was Reimnitz. <laughs> Not
1: hardly. <laughs> but it it uh Yeah. There's a written record in 325, but it was on much sooner than that. It, some dated back as early as 100 AD that Lent got started. And Lent kind of uh, took over for 40, 40, 40 days uh, of, of Lent. And, now, why um, did they do maybe, the 40? Well, some thought it was because uh, Israel was 40 years in the wilderness, but most go with the uh, temptations of jesus that he was 40 days tempted
0: in the yes in the wilderness too so that's a lot and it goes from what we call ash wednesday to easter it actually ends on the saturday before easter but that's more than 40 days so how do they get 40 days
1: well 40 days are without the without the sundays uh Sunday is a day of celebration because it's a day of resurrection. So you get 46 if you can't count in the Sundays, but if you count just the 40. And Lent used to, historically, used to be celebrated Monday through Friday, then uh, Monday through Saturday, which which, uh, accounts for the 40.
0: Did you ever figure out what the word Lent comes from?
1: Well... They had, uh, from the Latin, uh, I can't even pronounce the word for 40. Yeah. And they, Quadra they,
0: gizma. Uh,
1: <laughs> that's more than I can do.
0: Right. And But there's a Middle English term, Lent. And what does that mean? Do you know that? It means spring.
1: Spring. Yeah, Teutonic. uh, uh origin or anglo-saxon origin yeah.
0: now early in the church when this all started there was quite a bit of practice of fasting and such and so why did that take place
1: because the lord fasted those 40 days
0: yes yes and since world war ii that fasting has been dropped basically to Fridays and, of course, the Saturday before Lent. But uh, Christians observed a period of fasting because it was also a period of repentance, moderation, self-denial, spiritual discipline, and we were to set our lives with time set aside for reflection of Jesus Christ, considering his suffering and his sacrifice for his life and his burial.
1: Very. So so, so there's actually, you, you say Fridays, but there's one other day that I, I ran across that, uh, that they call a day of fasting. Ash Wednesday. That's on Ash Wednesday, yeah.
0: Now, why did they call it Ash Wednesday?
1: Well, that was the imposition of of putting uh, uh, ashes on on the forehead in the form of a cross to remind us that we are dust, and to dust we will return. Uh, It was a form of of repentance.
0: Yes, Uh, and particularly for those who had fallen from the faith, And this was a way of bringing them back into the church. And ashes were put on their forehead. That's how we got to Ash Wednesday. Now, the congregation I preached at last night, we did not put ashes on the forehead. Can you figure Mm -hmm. out why? COVID-19. Exactly. Now, how would you do that? Would the pastor do it with his hand? Well, that wouldn't be... I think very wise with his hand touching the forehead of a hundred people, or even if he had a glove on, then whatever was on the forehead of the previous people. Um, It kind of reminds me of a friend of mine who, when he takes the Lord's supper, he uses a common cup. And I said, well, you know, a lot of churches have gone to the individual cups. And he says, well, it doesn't bother me because I'm the pastor, so I drink first.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness.
0: Yes. So, yeah, this COVID-19 has really made some changes in this area. Did you ever set something aside during the season of Lent?
1: Oh, you mean uh, give it up for Lent? Yes. Yeah, I, I try. I last about a week. Get
0: that. Yeah, well, it you depends know. what you give up. Yeah. This now, year, you don't year. dare dare tell your what? wife about it because she'll make sure you stick to it. <laughs> like if you give up... Uh, yeah, there were certain things they weren't to eat, like meat and milk, et cetera, early in, in the years of Lent. Uh, and the reason for that... When you fast, especially on something you like, it helps you to reflect on the sufferings Jesus went through, and it causes us to suffer just a, a little bit. Um, it, it all depends what you give up, uh, how much you enjoy it.
1: Yeah, that, that's an excellent point you're bringing up, is, is to, to reflect upon what Christ went through and... Uh, his trials uh, uh, that that uh, he suffered through through his life as a result of our sins and taking our sins upon himself.
0: Yes. Now, a lot of times, uh, you you ask the question, "When does Ash Wednesday occur?" Which is the beginning of Lent. How do we well, calculate Ash Wednesday? Yeah
1: to the calculation of Easter, and then you back it up to 40 40 or 46 days.
0: Yeah, in fact, you simply take the date of Easter for any given year and then subtract 46 days, and that's what really becomes Ash Wednesday. Now, during Ash Wednesday, we've got a number of Wednesdays. What kind of themes did you have? during Lent?
1: See? Yes. Well, some reflection on on the cross, or many uh, uh, do it on, on the theme of baptism, of buried with Christ and uh, made alive and risen with, with Christ through our holy baptism.
0: Yes, I use the baptism theme for the Wednesdays in Advent this year Last year for Wednesdays in Lent, I had used the words from the cross because each of the seven words is pregnant with great meaning. This year I decided, and I was talking to Mark Smith about this, I made the decision to do the seven churches in Revelation that Jesus talks to. And last night we did Ephesians, uh, or Ephesus I should say, (laughs) And I'll be doing that tonight also. And talking about how these churches, it's it's kind of somewhat the same with each church. Jesus introduces himself, and then he tells what he likes about the church. Then he tells what he doesn't like about the church. And then Mm -hmm. he gives a, a promise. And that's kind of in each church. Like with Ephesus, he bemoans the fact that they have left their first love and uh i was trying to figure out okay what does john mean writing in revelation this message from jesus christ that they leave their first love well if you look at the word love it the proper word for love agape means that you do the best for someone else and so obviously sin is the opposite of doing the best for Jesus. And so in that sense, we're kind of going through the various churches to see where they have failed to do the best for Jesus Christ. And then we always relate the church to the repentance that we need to have in preparation for the Good Friday celebration and of course the Easter celebration.
1: Yeah, a point well taken, and a reminder that when you talk about agape love being the highest, that in the Greek there's what uh, up to seven ways that a person may 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 love, and cardinal love is one of the lower ones. Um, what love? Or fleshly love.
0: What is the lower one you said?
1: Yeah. Cardinal or, or, or lust?
0: Yes, it's actually eros. Eros. Yes. Um, in fact, you may be surprised to hear this, but I get Consumer Reports. And what the individual did, uh, the editor of Consumer Reports went through uh, the Greek, and he talked about the various levels of love but boy did he ever get them wrong he uh-huh. talked about eros as a good love whereas mm-hmm. we know that uh that's from the word erotic so can you imagine john 316 for god so erotic us that he gave his only begotten son doesn't make yeah, very and, much sense
1: and uh I've done, you know, characters of of Lent like Peter, Nicodemus, you know, John, uh, and related them to to the suffering of Christ. With Peter, his denial of oh, yes. three times, and his road back to to redemption, uh, which was through Christ talking to him on on the seashore, or Nicodemus. When Nicodemus saying, how can a person be born again? Which Jesus was talking about baptism. Exactly. Yeah, I
0: I believe one I had heard recently took the various moments from his arrest on and went through them uh, talking about Pontius Pilate, talking about Judas, talking about Peter, etc. And what they were going through during this Passion. I mean, the disciples were all astonished that Jesus ended up in a grave. Because on Palm Sunday, they thought he was coming back to become king and get rid of the Romans, give everybody enough food, restore Israel to its former grandeur. And boy, did they get a surprise on Good Friday.
1: Um, I'm always uh, taken to the Garden of Gethsemane where they, they fight to take care of of Jesus, and Jesus stops them and said that he could call down 18 legions of angels to help him if he wanted. And a Roman legion could have up to 10,000 or 12,000, 10,000 in, uh, in a legion, and he could call down up to 12 legions, a so 120,000 angels at once could come to his aid if he chose.
0: Yes, uh, that's an interesting passage in the Garden of Gethsemane because God the Father did answer Jesus' prayer by sending him an angel to comfort him. And a lot of people think that what Jesus was asking that the crucifixion not take place if it be the Father's will. But I believe that if you read the Gethsemane account, he was sweating as a drops of blood. blood and he yeah. was almost at the point where he was going to die. And what he was asking is that the Father would come to comfort him in the Garden of Gethsemane so he would be ready to die on the cross mm. rather than die in the garden.
1: So later, when he makes that that point that he could summon up to 12 legions of angels, he he knew that he he could forestall that death but chose not to.
0: Well, he had forestalled it a number of times. When he was in Nazareth, remember, they were going to throw him over a cliff. And it says Mm -hmm. he just walked between them, and he kind of uh, disappeared. And there were other occasions when the disciples were astonished when he went to see Lazarus because they knew that the Jews were attempting to kill him. And wasn't it Thomas who said, well, we'll go with him and we'll die with him when they went Mm -hmm. to see Lazarus?
1: Or he was in front of Pilate and Pilate said he had the power to... to uh, release him. And he said, you don't have any power unless it's been given to you from on high.
0: Exactly. Really, really important. In fact, that kind of fits into what you were telling me about you were reading, you've been going through the Bible and it was particularly with David had the opportunity to kill Saul who was trying to kill David. Uh, How did you explain that to me?
1: Well, it's interesting. There's two instances of where Saul could have uh, been murdered by, by David. David came to him when Saul and his armies were asleep. In fact, in one instance, it talks about how the Lord caused a deep sleep. But uh, David chose not to. And yes. uh, the nearest I can see is never where you find a passage where David was told by God to, to kill or murder Saul and, and yet he did, uh, the words were, he was beseeched the Lord, and it was silent in those instances, which yes. indicates to me that, that that was not a thing to do.
0: Right. In fact, when Saul and Jonathan are in a battle and both end up dying, Jonathan dies because of the battle. He was killed by other soldiers. But Saul tells one of his own soldiers to kill him and therefore, in a sense, commit suicide. So when the person who kills Saul returns to David to tell him how Saul died, what was David's reaction to the person?
1: That I don't remember, but I thought Saul fell on his own sword. Well,
0: that's because the person was using the sword to kill. Uh Saul, and it was his own sword. What David does, he puts the person to death. He has him executed. He said, who gave you the right to kill the Lord's anointed one?
1: In fact, he said that the second time that he released Saul, who am I to, to take the life of the anointed one?
0: Yes, so one needs to be very careful I would say that if you're having a kind of a Hitler who's head of your country, then it would be okay to go against him with violence rather than see many, many people die without justice. But if you're talking about a properly elected individual, then we leave it up to God to make the decision and see what happens.
1: Well sir, I was going to say the very same thing. I agree with you.
0: So we've got a situation during Lent where whatever the pastor is talking about, it has one goal, and that's to initiate repentance on our part. And that's why I kind of like going through the seven churches in Revelation, because in those where God is against them, that is also why God is against every one of us. Every time we sin, even as pastors, we are really forsaking our
1: first love. Right, and the goal then too of of Lent is to to lead us to Jesus and the sacrifices that he made for the sins that we have committed and that we are declared clean through his blood. I found that passage in in, uh, Isaiah. You know, Isaiah one eighteen, come to us, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Uh, oh, that's so, good. Know, yeah, and I think that's a good theme for Lent. Our sins are, are are scarlet, but they're been what made white as snow through through the blood of Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, there was no doubt yesterday. Everywhere you looked was snow. Uh, all the fields were covered, and it was really smooth and kind of gets you reminding. The, the only problem with that analogy is that uh, we had gone by one uh, place where the fire engines were there because a the car had slipped off the snow into the ditch. Mm. So. But yeah, go ahead. So we're talking about snow that people like. Everybody kind of likes the first snow where you can make snowmen and this sort of thing. But it's something that uh, you got to have the right understanding of snow in regard to that Isaiah passage.
1: Right, right. Well, it's a reminder of what Christ does for us upon the cross through the shedding of his blood for us.
0: Yeah, remember, that kind of follows with uh, Revelation talking about that we will be wearing white robes dipped in the blood of Jesus. And that Isaiah passage helps us to understand why they're white, because they're like snow.
1: You know, and as, as you will know, blood on, on a white de- garment – yeah, uh, is is hard to bring out to wash out, but now oh, when I it comes to the blood of Christ,
0: no, I I don't know that. Uh, I might ask my wife because,
1: uh... <laughs> well, so so she could probably tell you.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you have a nosebleed or something, boy, that's always bad, and that's oh, yeah. happening a lot today. You gotta have a humidifier. All right, thank you so very much in bringing up some topics in regard to Lent. Thank you, Wes Reimnitz. I'm Tom Baker and tomorrow's Law and Gospel. Open mic Friday, you can't phone me, so ignore that part of the announcement, but you can email me and I'll respond to your questions. God bless you.
2: Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9:30 on KFUO. For a tax deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, PO Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.